Well, good morning again. Thank you so much for being here and for checking us out online. If you're online, we just thank you so much for worshiping with us. We are in the dead center of a series entitled Thanks and Giving. We've spent the last three weeks on thanks. We'll spend the next three weeks on giving. And uh, I stated this early on. If at the heart of thanks is our salvation, then too at the heart of giving ought to be our salvation. Therefore, again, we got we to gotta wrap this around. Our peace Our joy, our contentment, our comfort, our hope, all of those things come in and from our salvation. And from that ought to pour out of us a heart of giving. Uh, Honestly, that is really unexplainable. The series started several weeks back looking at salvation. And in that salvation, we, we can worship him and we can be thankful in the midst of all things because of, again, if I am thankful for the grace and the mercy and the God that gave me the hope of eternity and salvation, then through that I can be thankful for, for other things. And so the question that I ask is, if I am to be thankful What is an outpour or what is an action of thankfulness? What is our action of thankfulness? Because it's more than me just saying thank you. It's more than me walking through a door and somebody opening a door and I say thank you. It's more than looking at my wife or any of my kids and say thank you for doing whatever it is that you're doing. There's a deeper aspect of that that really ought to cause and stir us into action. If I am genuinely thankful for the salvation that God has given me, it can't stop there. It has to pour out. It has to flow out of me into an action. And I believe that word is this. It is gratitude. If we look at the definition of gratitude, gratitude is an agreeable emotion consisting in or accompanied with goodwill to a benefactor and a disposition to make a suitable return of benefits or services. Again, an action that would take place. And then it would say this, it implies a feeling and generous heart and a proper sense of duty. Again, a sense of action, something that now takes place because of that. If we truly are thankful for our salvation, as we have explored, then we ought to pour out in giving. Now again, just for some of you that get really nervous when somebody says the word giving at church, We are not talking about finances over the next three weeks. Would that not be the greatest Christmas series ever, talking about finances? We're not doing that. We are simply talking about the heart of giving. And I believe as you walk through this with me this morning, and as we teach and as we walk through this, I believe that it all makes sense. And again, it's not a tithe thing. I do believe that God's word is very clear on tithing, that we should give to the church, um, and, but I'm not going to talk about that for the next three weeks. It is a pouring out of our heart. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, Paul quotes Jesus, and he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But I would ask this question, and this is kind of one of the things that I wrestled with throughout the week as I was preparing a sermon, what does that mean? 
What does it mean that is more blessed to give than to receive? Because I genuinely believe and I, I trust that it's deeper than me just saying, well, here's a gift and walking away. Now, I think there is something to giving of gifts. And I think for some of you, you're one of your, as a believer, that that is a genuine, that is a gift that you have is that of giving. So I'm not discrediting that at all. So don't, that's not where I'm going with this. But I think at the same time, it's deeper than just giving of gifts. There is a great joy in giving of gifts. There is one of the greatest things ever. If you have children, Christmas time, birthdays, giving them a box wrapped in whatever it is and them tearing that open and then the, the excitement or the surprise or whatever on their face as they open that gift up. I love to give gifts. I would go broke giving of gifts. I don't like to purchase for myself. I am that guy. I need a pair of jeans. I go to the store, I look at the pair of jeans and they're like 30 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it is. And I'm like, eh, I don't need it that bad. I'll get it later. However, if I want to shop for my wife or shop for our children, I will go and I'm like, oh, $75, sweet. I like it. Let's go. And I'm in and out. I knew what I wanted to get. I'm a guy. I got it. I left. I don't want to shop to find the, that thing five cents cheaper down the street. Like, I don't care. It was what I liked. I thought she would like it or one of my kids would like it, so I get it. And I don't care about the bargain because I just want to give because the joy of that is seeing them take it and enjoy it. Now, my wife goes, you spent how much money on that? And I say, it doesn't matter. I just wanted to get it for you, so shut up and take it. <laughs> and that's recorded. Is that what I say? It is. She's shaking her head. That's what I say. Let's bring it back in. I do genuinely trust and believe that as we live a thankful life, that giving is our natural outpouring of blessing. And this morning I want to explore what that was in Acts chapter 20. And I believe Paul shares a good portion of that as to what it was for him to give everything and to be a blessing to those that he was teaching and to those that he was sharing with. Uh, in verse number 17 of Acts chapter 20 is kind of where we'll start. But it says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And so just as we get into this, you can kind of see what's going on. Paul was there in Miletus and he was sending out to get the elders, the leaders of the church to come so that he could share. And he was going to let them know some of the things that was going on with him. He let them know that he would be leaving, that they would most likely never see him again. Um, and he was giving and pouring his heart out. But I want to ask this question as we kind of move into the, the, the sermon this morning. And I ask this, we sung a song, Gracefully Broken, this morning. And I ask this question, when it comes to our thanks, or when it comes to thanks, when it comes to salvation, I, I wonder, and I've, I've wrestled with this in my own personal life over the last three weeks, studying these things, is how 
broken am I because of the grace and mercy and love that's been poured out to me? Am I broken to that point of thankfulness so, so much so that it comes out of me, that it pours and flows out of me? That God has done so much in my life, not because he's blessed me with more things, not because of anything other than a relationship with him. And in that relationship, I am genuinely, intimately broken before God that I would be then poured out before God. And in pouring out before God, I am poured out before you, not because you're, uh, I'm your pastor, but as, as people, that we are poured out to those that are in front of us. Everywhere that we go, it just radiates out of us. Why? Because we are genuinely thankful and broken that God would reach down and say, Aaron, uh, I, I want you to come with me. Aaron, I, I love you, that God would show me, that I would understand as much as my, uh, my mind here on this earth can understand the grace and mercy of God, that I would grasp any of that, that I would be broken before him, and because of that, I would be poured out to others, that I would be thankful. See, I think in some ways, much of this sermon was really touched on uh, probably about two months ago, maybe longer, I don't remember, but... When I spoke on a godly legacy, see, a person who leaves a godly legacy, uh, it's not just such, it's not a good legacy, though a godly legacy is good. It is a godly legacy, a godly legacy that leaves a spiritual uh, effect long after one is gone. I pray as a father, I pray as a husband. If I were to go before my children, I pray I do. Uh, I pray that I go before my wife. I don't know why we're talking about that publicly now. But um, I pray that if I, as I leave, that the legacy that I left was not just that dad was a hard worker. It wasn't just that dad loved us or that, that Aaron, my husband, loved me and he protected and provided and did all of those things. I pray that I leave a godly legacy, that I discipled my children, that I walked with them in Christ, that I showed them what it was to read a Bible, that I walked with them in that journey of life and that they would have a godly legacy to look after. I shared that with my grandfather inside of that context um, I called him Grandpa. He was never our, my, my grandpa by blood, but he was my grandfather. He led both of my parents' parents to the Lord, and therefore he led, and, and then he led my parents to the Lord, and it trickled down. But as my parents' pastor, he took me in kind of as an adopted grandson. My middle name is Elijah, which was named after him. My son's name is Elijah, which is named after him. He means a lot to me. But you know the things that I think of when I think of my grandfather? Though I was too young to really sit under his teaching, his legacy of leading my grandparents to the Lord, of leading my parents to the Lord, that led me to the Lord, far outlasts anything that he ever gave me. I remember as a kid that he would take me and we would go to Acme Clicks. Does any of you guys know what Acme Clicks is? I don't know. Acme Clicks was a 
convenience store, I guess. It was a store in Akron. And we'd go to Acme Clicks, and I would buy a toy every so often. The one toy that I remember, and I have no idea why I remember it, but it was a truck. It was a semi-truck. John, it was, this is for you. This is for you. So it was a semi-truck. On the back of the truck was a motorcycle and a truck, or a car. I don't know why I remember that, but I would leave it in the bedroom at their house, at their apartment, and in their uh, closet. And when I was there, I could go pick it out. I remember sitting, when I would go there, we would sit at the dinner table. They had a little two-table, uh, two-top seat uh, or table, and uh, it was just the two of them in this small little apartment. And I would sit on one side, Grandma would sit on the other, and my Grandpa would sit on like a recliner that was his. And uh, we would eat Ritz and cheese crackers, Ritz and cheese. I don't know that I ever ate anything else at my grandma's house other than Ritz and cheese. (laughs) But we would eat Ritz and cheese, and we would just talk. All of those things are good. You know, the one thing, the two things that stick out to me most that my grandpa would say to me, every single time I... As, as I got old enough to have a, a more of an understanding, I don't remember a time that my grandfather didn't say this to me. Aaron, do you remember what we are? We are co-heirs with Christ. I hope you'll never forget that. Aaron, do you remember what we are? Yes, Grandpa, we are co-heirs with Christ. And he would say, I hope you never forget that. Literally every time I ever saw my grandfather as I was of age to understand, he would say that same exact thing. I'll never forget when I was 16-ish years old, somewhere in that 16, 17 years old, my, my older sister had run away from home. It was, a, it was a long week. And I called, picked up the phone. I think we had a cordless phone at that time. We were cool. <laughs> Not a cell phone, but you know. But I picked up the phone and I called my grandpa. It's midnight. Grandpa answers the phone. He's about 80 years old at this time. I'm crying. I really didn't know what, I don't remember what I said, but I remember this. On the other end of the phone, he began to quote a passage of scripture. And he said, you just go back and you read that. Open your Bible and go back and read that passage of scripture. And you have a good night. And he hung up. That was it. But those little things. Aaron, I don't ever want you to forget that we are co-heirs with Christ. We are co-laborers together. That's what he would call me. Sorry. And that night, when I was broken in tears because I just didn't know what was going on. He didn't give me all kinds of wisdom from an 80-year-old man. He grabbed God's word. Actually, he didn't grab God's word. He just had it memorized in his heart because that's who he was. And he just began to quote scripture to me. My grandfather left me a godly legacy. He poured out of himself, giving of himself to others for 50 years at the Milheim Baptist Church, but to me as somebody that was not his own, he poured out 
to me, a young man at the time, just a little kid, into a young man when I was 18 years old. He passed away, but he poured out of himself, leaving a blessing. See, the blessing of giving is one that can't be understood outside of experiencing it. And this morning as we dive into the book of Acts here and, and some of what Paul is speaking on, I believe being broken and poured out and being thankful for the salvation, it ought to be then expressed in possibly one of the greatest blessings ever is that of just giving of yourself. And I truly believe as we look at this passage of scripture, we will see that it is, yes, giving of gifts is great, but the greatest thing that we can do is what we'll see in this passage of scripture is give of ourselves to others that they may draw closer to the Lord. And so this morning in Acts chapter 20, if you have your Bible, we will be, we'll start in verse 32. I'm going to read to uh, verse 38, the end of the chapter, and then we're going to go back to uh, verse 18 and some of my points here this morning. And so uh, Acts chapter 20, starting in verse number 32, it says this, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than receive. <coughs> Excuse me. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they, shall, they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. Father, I come to you this morning. And Lord, as we look at uh, just the blessing of giving, I pray that we would see that, it's, uh, that in, our, in our salvation, as we grow in you, that it ought to be an outpouring of our lives to others. Lord, that there will be times that it is a gift, but the greatest thing that I can give to anybody is to speak words of encouragement that would draw them closer to know you as Savior, to walk more intimately with you. And God, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, that we would be uh, that, would, that would take place in our lives, that we would be drawn to you in a more intimate manner. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. The first thought this morning is Paul gave humbly with the pure heart. Paul gave humbly with the pure heart. If we look at this passage of Scripture, going to verse number 18, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. He says this in verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Paul served, it says, in every season. It said that he served with humility. He, he served with tears and in the midst of trials, and he kept absolutely nothing back. I believe Paul practiced really what he uh, spoke of in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. That Jesus would have came, who uh, he humbled himself at the as, a fashion, as in fashion of a man, and was 
obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I believe Paul uh, was humble in his service to others. He did not do so out of pride, but he humbly served others. His ministry was not of arrogance, rather of humility. He served people. He loved them. It says that he cried with them. He hurt with them. Paul was what? He was a pastor to people. He pastored. Pastoring and he's speaking to pastors. But he says, I I gave you everything. Humbly in service, he gave it all. It says that he kept nothing back. Paul always was willing to give them everything that they needed. Sometimes it hurt, but he gave it to them. I, I, I likened it to this as I was reading this. I, was, uh, I, I speak of sports fairly often. I, I've always played and been a part of sports. I, I love sports and athletics. It was just a part of who I was growing up. I may not have been the best person or best player or athlete on the field, but here's the one thing that nobody would do. Nobody would outwork me on a field. Nobody. I would die proving myself in one way, shape, or form. That's just who I was. I was always one of the smaller guys, and I would die to make sure that nobody would outwork me. To this day, at 40 years old, I would do the same exact thing. Anybody like that? Anybody else? A lot of people are just staring at me like, you're weird, really weird. It was, what was it, 16, 17 years ago, I coached at Lake Mead. I've shared the story, how awesome that we were, 0 and 11. It was amazing. But you know, even in those days, I was 24, 25, 26 we would, do, we would play basketball, open gyms. I was still small, but I was a lot more in shape than I am now. I would do my best to prove that none of those kids could beat me. At 40 years old, if there was a teenager that thought they could beat me on a basketball court or any other court, I would die proving that they couldn't right now. Pull out a hoop. I will prove to somebody right now and die in the process. Tomorrow night, I will go play old man softball with a group of men out at a Royal Grande, and I will not tell you what time. No hecklers. (laughs) However, out on that field, I already know going in there right now, I'm the oldest guy on our team. And I know it's old man slow pitch softball. But I also know that if the ball is in the air, I will die attempting to get it. And if I hit the ball and I think I can get to second base, I will get to second base. And everybody will go, Aaron, this is old man softball. And I will say, but I do not know how to do anything, but do it really hard. I I haven't figured it out. I haven't figured it out. Because I will, I, I, I know my body's limitations. I'm not 20 years old anymore. And I know when I get home, I hurt. That's why I put cream on my legs. That's why I put. I do. It's horrible. Every time, every Monday night when I leave the house, my kids are like, going to play softball, Dad? Yep. Put all that old man cream all over. But I say that, and we joke, but I genuinely believe as I read this passage of Scripture that Paul 
gave everything that he could to the people that were in front of him. He poured it all out. He left the tears with them. He served alongside of them. He gave everything. It says that, that, that he kept nothing back. Paul was always willing to give them everything that they needed and sometimes it hurt. But he loved them and gave it to him. I don't think I have to tell you this, but Paul's ministry was not always easy. As Paul would speak, oftentimes his head was on the line, if you will. His life was on the line. There were people that did not like him. He was stoned. He was, there was all kinds of things that happened to Paul where people were trying to take his life. And he was imprisoned and all of these things. But yet he would always, it says that he kept nothing back. He did not care what may happen. He believed that this is what God had called him to do and that he was to teach that and he was to give that. And he humbly came before them with a pure heart to serve and to love and to give to those people. I believe that Paul, as he states inside of this passage, came before them pure And I also believe that when there's a purity of heart, you can give so much more. Because there's nothing hidden in the back. When things are hidden, you're a little nervous. But when you come with the purity of heart, Paul says that he was a pure of heart and he gave humbly to those folks. Paul gave humbly with a pure heart. Paul gave also sound teaching with conviction and passion, the second thought. Paul gave sound teaching with conviction and passion. There is no doubt in my mind that Paul was a man of conviction and a man of passion. He taught with fervor and passion everywhere that he went. If we look at this passage, we continue in, in verse number 20, the middle of there, it says, but he showed you and have taught you, it says, publicly and from house to house. It says that he testified both to the Jews and to the Greeks, but what did he testify? He testified that of repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. It says that he, he would go publicly as well as house to house. I don't know about you, but it's a lot easier to go publicly to a group of people than it is to go into someone's house. Some people might be, no, it's a whole lot easier to sit. No, I promise you. My ego is driven far more by the thousands of people in front of me than by the five people that sit in my house teaching. Because you see, the reality is, at least in our day and age, and I imagine to some regard with Paul's day and age, if I'm standing before thousands of thousands of people, everybody knows but when you go and you sit and you invite three or four or five people to sit at your dinner table and you begin to expound and teach and give them something, there's just a different depth there. And it says that Paul went publicly, but he also went house to house. I believe that goes back to Paul's humility that he was willing to go wherever that he needed to go to teach. But it says that he taught with conviction and passion. I believe that he had those. And his decision to leave as we look at this, and it says in verse 22, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. He did not know what was coming in front of him. He did not know what was in front of him, but he knew this. God, the Holy Spirit, had tugged upon his heart in such a manner that he had to go. He had to go. And if you know much about this, I, I really don't 
have the time to get into this, but Paul was called to go to the Gentiles. And he knew going to Jerusalem and he knew going back there, those people don't like me. And it says though, but he was bound, he had to go and he had to share. But he says he just didn't know what was coming before him. Even in that decision, it was with passion and conviction. He was compelled to go. But he reminds them again, I have preached, it says in verse number 25, I have uh, now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. And so he shares with them. Again, he's teaching. He's giving them sound teaching. He's giving them sound doctrine, if you will. And he's sharing so with conviction and compassion and with passion. He says, take heed to yourselves. He said, I have set an example. I have taught you all that I can teach you. Now make sure, first and foremost, that you care for yourselves. Again, he's talking to these leaders. He's talking to the church leaders. And he says, listen, I've given you everything. I've taught you these things. I've, 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 I've expounded upon everything that I can give you. And I know I'm about to leave. But do not stop taking care of yourself spiritually. Stay in the word of God. If you're not in the word of God, you can't lead the people that are in front of you. If you aren't grounded, you can't help them. If you're not prepared yourself, you can't do for them. And he says, continue. Take heed unto yourselves. I have given you everything. You are prepared. You are ready. I know that you know how because I've given it all to you and I've seen you. Do it. He says, take care of the flock. Feed them. Feed the church. Be about his business. For I warn you that there will be those who come from outside to seek and to destroy. Those who will find their way inside the doors as well. He says, be on guard. Listen, why must we know? Why is he so stressing that you must know the word of God, that you must have an intimate relationship with God. Why? Because there's going to be the people that are going to infiltrate your church. There's going to be the people that are going to teach the Judaizers and others that are going to teach a false doctrine. And if you don't know it, you're going to go right into it. He says, be sound, continue to teach, continue to know God's word. And you as an individual, make sure that you know God's word. Take heed unto that. I would say the same thing to you. Listen, I as a, as a pastor do all that I can to encourage you to have an intimate relationship with God. If your relationship with God is on Sunday mornings and what I have for you, you will fail and it will be a horrible life. I can't live that for you. No more than the men that I look up to and that I listen to can do it for me. It has to be my walk with God. You have to have that. And Paul says, leaders, you've got to know these things. You've got to feed them. You've got to be on guard. Take heed. Watch. And he says, and remember. He says, I believe it's 31. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. He says, church, Leaders, I've, I've done all that I can. I've cared for you night and day. I've, I've prayed for you. I've wept for you. I've wept with you. I've hurt with you for three years, night and day. Now go. I don't know that there's 
any greater way of giving than what Paul has done up to this point. The next thought is Paul gave them to God and the word of His grace. In verse number 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. He poured Himself out. He poured Himself unto and into these leaders. And as the body, and as he is beginning his departure, I, I can't help but think of Paul being with them, and I don't know how close he was to the waters, but I can't help but think that he was near them, and whether he was standing, or maybe he was sitting on a rock, or maybe he was standing, and they were all on some type of an embankment, or a a small little hill, or whatever it was, but that he would stand out there, and and he's pouring his heart out to them, and he's sharing with them, and he's telling them, listen, now brethren, I commend to you, I I entrust you, I'm encouraging you, now it's on you. Now you are going to go, but he says what? I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. It's the word that will build you up. It's the word that will sustain you. It's the word that's going to do those things. It's that walk with God. And I believe this is kind of Paul's, as much as he is stating it to them, I believe this is as much of that as it's a prayer that Paul is saying, God, I am giving you these people I'm giving them back to you. God, I am asking that you would use your word. I'm I'm begging you, God, that you would, would speak to them. God, would you, I'm giving them. I know for me personally, I was very convicted as I read that this week. Aaron, are you praying and giving the people back to me? Your church your family, your children. I say it often, and I said it just a moment ago, the greatest thing that I can do is to encourage you to go to His Word and to be in relationship with Him. I want to do what I can. I want to teach I want to share. I want to hold your neck when you're crying and when you're hurting. I want to hold your hand when you don't know what to do. I want to be a part of all of those things. But the greatest thing that I can do is to encourage you to go into God's word and to build a relationship with him. Because it's his word that will build you up. It's his word that is your protection. It is his word that will sustain you. It is his word that is your meat and your milk. And it is his word that will give you the nutrients of life. And there's going to be a day when I'm not around. You can't pick up the phone and call dad and call mom. You have to say, God, I don't know what to do. And I may not even understand what this is saying, but God, you've got to show me because I know. I know. I don't know how many times I've picked up the phone as an adult and I've called mom or dad and said, uh, I have a question for you. There's going to be a time when I can't do that. There's been times when I can't pick up the phone because mom can't answer my hurt. Dad can't answer my hurt. 
Mom and dad, pray for me. Mom and dad, encourage me. Mom and dad, do all of those things. But there's been times as an adult, there's been times in ministry where I know that it's nothing that my wife can't help me, my church people can't help me, the people that I love the most can't help me, my wife or my my mom and my dad can't do anything but pray, and it's just me and God, and it's God, I don't know what, but you've got to figure it out, you've got to show me, you've got to guide me in this. And I believe that Paul was doing that and he was saying, God, I commend them. God, I give them to you. Now, God, you take them. You, you manifest yourself into them so that they can be what they need to be as they lead the church. As I go, they will lead. It is the word of grace that will build them. It is the word that will give them that inheritance among the sanctified. We need the word. Paul had given them everything that he could and now he says, go. I likened it to this. I was graduating high school. I didn't want to go to college because I just didn't want to look at another book. So I thought, I'm just going to go to work. So I did. Went to work. Eventually went to a nine-month radio television broadcasting school where I thought this would be awesome. I can be in sports broadcasting. I could be in video for sports, whatever it would be. Went through that school. It was three days, ten-hour days, every week for nine months, had an incredible internship. I got to work at the Cleveland Indians baseball stadium. I was in the dugout. I was in the press room. I was everywhere. To me, as a baseball guy, I was in heaven. I graduated. I was given honors because of some of the things that I had done. I enjoyed what I did, but when I graduated, I was empty because I knew that God had something in my life that I was running from. And God eventually got a hold where I just said, all right, I quit. I give up. Time out. Here's the white flag. Whatever it is, I'm done. And I surrendered and I went to school. See, when I went to school, Mindy and I would eventually get married. And I kind of liken this to, as a parent, I haven't had this yet and I don't know if it's ever, hopefully that, I hope it happens, but I really don't want it to happen where my kids go. You know what I mean? You, you like, you want them out, but you don't, you know? I don't, I, I am excited for the day that I get to see my children walk an aisle and I get to be a part of that ceremony. But I want them to be like a year old again, you know? but there's going to come that time where I commend and entrust my children to say, I've done everything that I can. I'm still here, but I've given everything. I've taught you. I've raised you. I've shown you God's word. I've taught you God's word. I pray that I've lived it in our home. I pray that I've loved you. I pray that I've made and I've encouraged you to go to your own relationship and dive into that, but I'm I'm commending you. I'm entrusting you. And I kind of liken to Paul's kind of saying, hey, I know that I have to go over here. And I've done everything that I can. And you are all prepared to take this church and to move forward. 
and I'm commending you. I'm entrusting you with it. Now go. And what did Paul do? He gave them to God, to the word of his grace. And the last thought is that Paul ultimately received the greatest blessing. Paul ultimately receives the greatest blessing. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, these last couple verses, as I read them for the, I don't want to say the first time, but as I was reading them, starting to process through this passage of Scripture, I was sitting with Dan and with Mike. We were at the coffee shop as we do every Monday and just kind of walked through some of the Scriptures. I began to read it, and I began to get emotional. And it says, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. Paul's basically saying, I've not, I've not asked for your money. I've not asked for your stuff. I've never done anything. Rather, I, I worked hard. I, I labored with these hands. I, I did everything that I could to provide. And I've done all of these things. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And this is where it, it just got me. And when he had thus spoken, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. The greatest blessing in pouring your life out to God, and in pouring your life out to God, you do so to people. And you give, and you give, and you give. Paul gave and he gave and he gave. It speaks of the tears. It speaks of the hurt. It speaks of the pain. He spoke of all of those things that he gave everything, that he kept nothing back. And here Paul says all of those things and he says it's, it's what Jesus always said and Jesus always taught, which is, it is better to give. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It says that he knelt down and he began to pray for those elders and he began to pray for those people. And what does it say that they did? They fell upon his neck and they began to weep and kiss on his neck. You might go, that's kind of silly. When my friends leave town because they've moved, I cry. But as I thought of that, there's people that I've cried over when they've left town. I've been here at Oasis now for 15 years. We've lost very, very, very good friends. People that it hurt when they left you know there's very few people who have left 
that it's, it's a genuine pain. Do you know what I'm talking about? And you know why that pain is for me personally? Because they poured into my life as much hopefully as I poured into theirs. I look back and I, I shared this in our first service and I don't know if they would even be watching, but I shared this in the first service. There's a, there's a couple in Mindy and I's life from the days that we were in high school dating who she worked with the gentleman's wife. I eventually began working with him and every day for two years I would drive in a truck with Scott. Scott is about, I don't know, maybe a little bit smaller than Big Jim. Maybe size, height wise. Probably pushed about 250. He's a big boy. Big old beard. Long hair, mullet style. If you don't know what that is, just look it up. You'll laugh. Just a big, burly construction type of a guy. But you know, every day for those times... We would drive in that truck all day long, all around Akron, dropping off drywall material, dropping off mud, dropping off nails, dropping off checks, picking up scaffolding. He poured into my life. And it wasn't that he spoke the word of God into my life every day. Aaron, take out your Bible. I'm going to teach to you. No, it was just his life every day. He was about 10 to 15 years older than us. But you know, when I think of them, it brings tears to my eyes. It brings an emotion at my gut. And leaving them, every time we see them and every time we leave them, it hurts. Because they poured out. They showed. They encouraged. They would tell me, to this day, they would say things like, we're proud of you. There's people like that. And I look at this and I look at Paul and I think, I think of where I'm at. I have zero intention of leaving Oasis in Las Vegas. But as I read this, I thought to myself, have I poured everything out? Am I pouring it all out? So that if that day came where I stood before the church and I stood before, before the people that I loved, I could do just like Paul and I could walk through what Paul walked through. And he said, I, would, I was up late and I shed many tears. I taught you. I warned you. I hugged your neck. When it was hard, I was there. When it was easy, I was there. We were there together. We did it together. And at the end of it, as I, as I commend you and I say, now it's your turn to go. Now it's your turn to take flight. Now it's your turn to do that. The, the love that comes and the greatest blessing. Why? Because I can genuinely look in the mirror. I can genuinely look in the eyes of those in front of me and I can say, I did it all. And none of it cost me anything because it was the greatest joy of my life.
because I poured it all out for you. I wonder if that's how we're living our lives. I'm so thankful for the love of God, for the salvation that I'm living my life with everything in me saying, God, (laughs) I'm pouring it out for you. And as I teach, I'm pouring it out for you. As I love on somebody down the street, I'm pouring it out for you. As I love on a neighbor, I'm pouring it out. As I give whatever it is, I'm pouring that out to you, knowing I'm not expecting anything in return, but man is the blessing beyond anything that I could ever imagine. Is that how we're living our lives? I wonder this morning, maybe you would sit right where you're at. You would say, I'm thankful. I believe God has been good to me. But I don't know that I know him in an intimate way like you're talking about. There's never really been a time that I have surrendered my life to say, God, I want to pour it out for you. Maybe you would sit here this morning and you would just say, or maybe you're online and you would just say, I I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Can I encourage you today and ask you to, to seek the depths of your heart and to seek the face of God? Do you know Him? Do you love God? Are you walking with Him? Maybe you would say you're not. Can I just beg you? Why not today? Why not today? Believer this morning, I would ask you. I don't want to necessarily use the word selfish in the sense sometimes we, but are are you being selfish? You're coming to church for what you can get. You're doing it so that you can get the thing. You give the gift so that you can get the praise. Or are we genuinely pouring ourselves out to God and saying, God, here. (laughs) There's days that it's harder than others. I will promise you. When you genuinely pour yourself out to the Lord, you'll never leave empty-handed, ever. There's never been a moment where I've walked away and said, God, I'll never do it again. There's been moments I've been upset. There's been moments I've been frustrated. There's been moments I've lost lots of money. But in each one of those, I would go, ah! And then I would stop and sit for a minute. And then I'd look at Mindy and I'd say, and we have said this, but we'll do it again. And we'll do it again. And we'll do it again. Because it's not about those things. It's about loving people. It's loving Him, and as we love Him, we love people. It's the outpour of it. 
And people are people, they will hurt you. But there's no greater blessing than to give everything because that's what God has called for us to do. Father, I come to you this morning. And Lord, I truly, truly believe that if we live a life genuinely just being thankful of just thanking you for the grace and the mercy and the salvation of thanking you for the ups and the downs of praising you because of you not because of the stuff and the things that come along with you God, what a joyful life that it is. And God, I come to you this morning and as I stand before this church, God, I pray that we as a church would be a a body that would, would be able to look in the mirror seriously and just question ourselves, look in the depths of our hearts, seek you to pierce our hearts to convict us but that God that we would pour out giving and teaching and honoring others because it is the greatest blessing there is would Oasis love you and in so love others God I can't help but think there may be somebody that sits here this morning that has never come to know you Lord would you grab their heart would you tug upon their heart and draw them to yourself Help them to see their sinfulness, not because I want them to know how bad that they are, but God, that they would see how their sinfulness has separated them from you, a holy God. But yet, God, you loved them so much that you sent your only son to die for them, to get rid of that sin, to wipe it as far, to cast as far as the east is from the west. God, that you would restore them to a a newness, that you would bring them to life. God, would you help them to see? God, would you help us as believers to be poured out? As you sit right where you're at this morning, just take a moment. Maybe you need to cry out to the Lord. You're more than welcome to walk forward. You're more than welcome to sit where you're at. Maybe you need to come to a place of saying, God, I need you in salvation. 
Maybe that is coming forward. Maybe it's taking a connect card and writing on it and making sure that you see me before you leave. I do not know, but don't leave this morning without speaking to Him, crying out to Him. Father, I'm so grateful. God, may we be a place that lives poured out for you. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.